Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi everyone, thank you for watching this. If you were to write the first modern novel, how would you go about it? What sort of life you would have to have to be able to write a story that revolutionizes literature and stays with humanity for centuries? Don Quixote by Miguel Cervantes, written in 1605, the period we call the Age of Rationality, is about madness. When the dominant social undercurrent was reason, Cervantes went the other way towards madness. Now imagine you're locked up inside a dark room for days, for weeks, and then months, and then years. You and your thoughts. You and your dark, disturbing thoughts. In captivity, you're inside your head, a kind of madness in of itself. Cervantes created one of the most famous characters, Don Quixote, in literature who escapes his head, instead he lives by his actions. He doesn't think, instead he acts. Those dark days, months and years Cervantes himself spent in captivity gave us one of the greatest action heroes of all time. Unlike most women in Spain, Cervantes' mother could read, which is incredible. So growing up, he listened to his mother reading great many stories, including chivalric tales, the kind that inspired Don Quixote, who is spellbound by these tales of adventures. Don Quixote wants to change the world. He wants to right the wrongs. Cervantes must have spent hours waiting for someone to help him, to free him from his years of captivity. Don Quixote wants to help the helpless, but unfortunately he's a little too optimistic, too mad, too delusional. That's what prison does to you. In captivity, your mind craves for action, whatever the outcome. You want to go out there and do things, mad things. Don Quixote is a captive liberated. We are all captive to our mind. We are a prisoner of our own rational mind. It leads us in life, but also tames us, controls us, hinders us. But Don Quixote experienced freedom from his mind. He's not bound by reason anymore. In this video, I'll answer the following questions. Why is Don Quixote such an enduring tale that has traveled all over the world? What is the story? Why did Cervantes write it? What were some of his inspirations? And how did it revolutionize literature? But first, let me give you a little background to Cervantes' own life. Then I'll summarize the novel and finally discuss some of the themes and answer the most important question. How you can write a modern Don Quixote. Don Quixote was a response to the age of reason. I'll also tell you about some of the modern versions of Don Quixote. So I'll talk Dostoevsky, Samuel Beckett, and Salman Rushdie. I'll also give you some tips how to write a modern Don Quixote. So stay tuned to the end as I have a fantastic idea about a new Don Quixote. Here's a fun fact. In Japan, there are 160 stores that sell clothes, groceries, and electronics as part of a chain of stores called Don Quixote. Author Miguel Cervantes Saavedra was born in a small town near Madrid, Spain in 1547, some 20 years before Shakespeare was born. These two authors are often compared due to their importance in their respective languages, Spanish and English. What is interesting is that both died in the same year, 1616. But what's more interesting, in the same month, April, 
and even more crazy just one day apart. Cervantes died on April 22nd and Shakespeare died a day later. Cervantes became a soldier in service of the Catholics fighting against the Ottoman Turks. He was wounded in 1571 in the Battle of Lepanto against the Turks. In 1575, when Cervantes and his brother were returning from wars against the Turks, he was captured by the Muslim pirates and taken to Algiers where he was kept as a slave for the next five years. The Mediterranean Sea was a dangerous place back then where the Muslim Turks controlled the southern side and the Europeans controlled the northern parts. The last of the Roman Empire collapsed and the, and the Turks conquered Constantinople a century earlier in, in 1453, sending a shockwave to Europe. And this triggered European powers to expand outside the continent to South and Southeast Asia, Southern Africa and the Americas, leaving the Turks to rule over Anatolia, North Africa and Southern Europe. When the pirates found Cervantes, they also found an important letter with him, so they deemed him as an important asset to get a good chunk of his Spanish ransom money. But I think they also realized Cervantes was an intelligent and learned man, therefore they thought he was rich. This saved his life, otherwise he might have been killed. Later, he recalls that ordeal in Don Quixote. Quote, they put a chain on me more as a mark of me being an important asset than to keep me safe. So I passed my life in that baño or bathroom with several other gentlemen and persons of quality marked out as held to ransom. We suffered from hunger and scanty clothing. Nothing distressed us as much as hearing and seeing at every turn the unexampled and unheard of cruelties of my master inflicting upon the Christians. Every day he hanged a man, impaled one, cut off the ears of another. But unfortunately, Cervantes' family couldn't afford the 500 pesos to free him. During his captivity, Cervantes must have weaved short and tall tales to keep his mind occupied. But he also attempted to escape four times, but each time he would be captured and returned to his captivity. One time he walked for 400 kilometers only to be captured again. On another occasion he had to survive inside a cave for months before being captured again. The madness of captivity meant that he would risk his life to escape. These experiences would show up in Don Quixote's ill-equipped and ill-thought adventures. He says he couldn't stop weeping at his cursed fate. At one point he was sentenced to punishment which meant death. Just like the Russian writer Fyodor Dostoevsky, however, he was reprieved. Perhaps his captors were still hopeful for the ransom money. After five years of captivity in a foreign land, he was freed in 1581 when his family paid the ransom. This put Cervantes in a massive debt, not only financially but also psychologically. The experience would provide a foundation for his masterpiece. Don Quixote. Despite his freedom and return to homeland, Spain, his prison life was not over. In the meantime, he found himself a job as a tax collector, which put him at odds with the Catholic Church, which didn't want people to pay tax, instead they wanted people to pay that money to the church. Cervantes, the tax collector, was excommunicated, not once but twice. He would later expose and satirize the Catholic priest's hypocrisy in Don Quixote as being pious in words but not in deeds. He got married to Catalina, a woman 18 years younger than him, but it didn't last long. The marriage broke down, but worse still, in 1592, after 10 years of freedom, he found himself inside a prison again. Once you're condemned, you're condemned for the rest of your life. The trauma of captivity. Then five years later, he was again sent to jail for embezzlement. Money was a curse throughout Cervantes' life. Even his deaf father, who worked as a surgeon, spent years in prison for some unpaid debt. 
Growing up, Cervantes must have been haunted by the idea of his father being locked up for not having enough money. That's why he joined the Holy Roman Army in 1570 to fight the Turks, hoping to get a decent salary. A year later, he was injured, leaving him without the use of his left hand. If you think life is tough today, imagine how it must have been for Cervantes. While in the Spanish prison, he got the idea of a story about a 50-year-old man who would go against all societal expectations and become a knight errant. A 50-year-old child. Don Quixote, the greatest modern novel, was born. In prison, his despair turned into a moment of magic in world literature. Great art often is the product of despair and suffering. Cervantes published Don Quixote in two parts, part 1 in 1605 and part 2 which is a sequel to part 1 10 years later in 1615. Most scholars think Cervantes only wanted to write one novel, but after the success of Don Quixote, many impostors produced their own versions of Don Quixote. So this forced Cervantes to publish part 2 to make sure the story ended there and then. Despite the success of Don Quixote, he died in 1616 at the age of 68, a poor man. He struggled throughout his life with poverty, captivity, injury and humiliation. Part 1 is the main story of Don Quixote's adventures, but part 2 continues the actions but mainly acts as a mirror as the characters are aware of the book's success and their own fame. So Don Quixote is not only the first modern novel but also the first psychological meta-narrative in which the characters are aware of their fame, somewhat similar to a reality show and 10 years later a reunion show. At the start, Cervantes claims that he has translated the tale from Arabic story by Sid Hamed Benengali. In my video on Catalan epic Tyrone La Blanche, written about a century before Don Quixote, which incidentally is mentioned by Cervantes as the best book in the world, the authors also claim the tale is translation from an English novel through a Portuguese source. I assume by claiming the works as a translation of some older stories, they were trying to give the book more legitimacy and authority that the stories were true and had come from a far land. Throughout human history, stories are often about a far distant land or a far distant time. From the outset, Don Quixote is the story of a man named Alonso Quijano, who belongs to a lower ranking nobility or you might say a middle class family, which allows him access to books, who later claims the knightly title of Don Quixote. He's 50 years old and has read a lot of chivalric tales, so much so that he wants to enact those events in his own life by going on a similar chivalric adventures. Quote, in short, he became so absorbed in his books that he spent his nights from sunset to sunrise and his days from dawn to dark, poring over them and what with little sleep and much reading his brains got so dry that he lost his wits. His fancy grew full of what he used to read about in his books. Enchantments, quarrels, battles, challenges, wounds, wooings, loves, agonies and all sorts of impossible nonsense. And it so possessed his mind that the whole fabric of invention and fancy he read of was true and that to him no history in the world had more reality in it. What makes him an interesting character is that he treats these chivalric tales like some instruction manuals as though he bought an IKEA table. For him what is fictional is also real. It's often that fiction is inspired by reality and Don Quixote reality is inspired by fiction. So Cervantes does a literary somersault. A modern example would be Madame Bovary by Ghost of Flaubert in which Emma the protagonist reads a lot of romantic tales and decides to chase same kind of exciting romances in her real life 
with terrible consequences. Today you might see this in debates about the influence of video games or rap music on young people committing violence. So the premise of the novel is how much what you read can influence your life, not subconsciously, but consciously. Also important to note that the printing press invented by the German inventor Johannes Gutenberg in 15th century allowed more people access to books. So people read a lot of chivalric tales, the soap operas of the day. I guess consume would be a better term here. So Don Quixote is the story of how these tales twisted one man's imagination in a way that he saw reality very differently. How a rational man becomes irrational. I think his age also plays a part. Being 50, he thinks he hasn't done anything significant in his life, so it is time he has a purpose, a legacy, or a combination. He wants to be the most famous knight in Spain. Like the Che Guevara of his day, who was born in Argentina, became a revolutionary in Cuba, then Africa, and finally died in Bolivia, whose life was depicted in the popular film Motorcycle Diaries. Today, men of his age and means might buy a yacht or a fast car, but in those days it was to become a knight. So in Don Quixote, a man decides to have a purpose in life by riding a horse and seeing if he can fight the evils of this world. He changes his name to Don Quixote, names his horse Racinante, and chooses a farm girl as his romance lady, Dulcinea, without her knowing anything about it. As Tolstoy said that all stories are one of two kinds, either a hero takes journey or a stranger comes to town. Our hero takes a journey. Don Quixote is a low-budget hero. Instead of a princess, he uses a peasant girl. Instead of a real esquire, he employs a laborer, Sancho Panza, perhaps the greatest supporting character in literature. It's all acting. It's a front. Faker, if you believe. He uses his neighbors as props, a cheap hotel as a castle, and prostitutes as grand ladies. The people he meets tend to go along with him in his crazy request to take part in a low-budget movie. Except that it's not a movie, it's real life. There's a childlike quality to Don Quixote, and this entire story is like a child play. While in captivity, Cervantes' mind must have seen giants roaming around inside the dark room, coming to rescue him or even attack him. Captivity allows your imagination to balloon. Don Quixote's first stop is at an inn where he tells people that he's a castle, and people think he's mad, so they play along. The first scene is done. He then encounters a slave being punished by his owner, so Don Quixote being a knight feels it's his duty to free him. But the owner seeing him as a ridiculous man too decides to play along. But as soon as he's gone, he continues to be the slave, so Don Quixote's interference made things even worse for the poor slave. So far things are going as he imagined. So he turns it up a notch by picking a fight with some traveling salespeople, whom he accuses of insulting his lady Dulcinea, the farm girl. He challenges them to a fight, but here for the first time his delusional mind results in him being beaten quite badly. He barely makes it home alive. To make matters worse, when he gets home, he finds that his beloved library is burned by the priests who deemed them immoral. Here Cervantes exposes the duplicity of the priest class. It turns out the priest has read them all, including some steamy sex scenes, so even the most pious member of society are secretly addicted to these cheap romances, the pornography of the day so to speak. If you think the beating must have put some senses into Don Quixote's head, you would be wrong. Instead of giving up, Don Quixote decides to have a backup. Here comes Sancho Panza who has to deal with the consequences of Don Quixote's mistakes and madness. Sancho is on an ass instead of a horse, given Don Quixote's low budget, of course. 
Quixote gets them in all kinds of trouble. Sancho is poor but sensible, so the two set off. Here we have the most famous battle in literature when Don Quixote fights with a bunch of windmills as if they are giants. It's like people believe that there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq after a terrible war and thousands of dead only to find that they were none. Don Quixote says, quote, Fortune is arranging matters for us better than we could have shaped our desires ourselves. For look there, friends Sancho Panza, where 30 or more monstrous giants present themselves all of whom I mean to engage in battle and slay, and with those spoils we shall begin to make our fortunes. Sancho corrects him that they are not giants, but windmills. Don Quixote corrects Sancho that he is not used to nightly adventures because he is a simpleton. Before Sancho can stop him, Don Quixote charges against the windmills only to face the ferocious wind moving the sail that smashes into him and his horse. He rolls down the hill and Sancho has to help to pick him up. Soon there is another fight in which Don Quixote comes strong as he defeats his enemies. But in the next fight he loses. It's important to note that these fights tend to happen with people from different regions or ethnic groups in Spain. In a sense the novel represents not only people from all walks of life, but also people from different regions. At one point they come across a tragic tale of a shepherd who died after a girl broke his heart. Don Quixote listens to the girl, Marcella, defending herself. The theme of freedom, which meant so much to Cervantes the captive, is at the heart of Don Quixote. She says, I was born free, and that I might live in freedom I choose the solitude of the fields. In the trees of the mountains I find society. The clear waters of the brooks are my mirrors, and to the trees and waters I make known my thoughts and charms. Don Quixote is convinced that it's not her fault that the shepherd boy died. When she disappears in the woods, Don Quixote follows her, but soon loses sight of her and gets distracted with something else. Near a pond, he picks another fight with some men on ponies. Don Quixote and Sancho get badly beaten this time. The schadenfreude is incredible in this novel. Every time they lose a fight, you cannot stop laughing. While at an inn, he picks a fight in the middle of the night, not trying to save someone, but trying to claim a girl as his own princess. You can see Don Quixote's delusional state of mind is getting worse. This leaves both men badly hurt. When your body aches, your mind gets worse. While trying to cure their injuries, Don Quixote, as expected, puts the wrong medicine, and now the pain is unbearable. Anywhere you find Don Quixote, you know there is some chaos bound to happen. He's a man in search of troubles. His fertile imagination magnifies things ten times or hundred times bigger and more profound. It's like he's wearing a set of virtual glasses that turns his reality into fantasy world. He decides to leave the inn without paying, because in the stories and movies you don't see the heroes pay for their hotels. He thinks knights never carried money with them, because it wasn't mentioned in the books. Somehow they managed to leave the hotel. At a mountain, they meet another romantic soul who is captivated by a woman, and as usual Don Quixote picks a fight with him, and gets so badly beaten that he needs his lady on his side. Now his pain is almost existential. He sends Sancho to bring him his girl. Sancho sensibly decides not to follow his master's instruction. Instead, with the help of the priest and the barber, he plots to trick Don Quixote back home by employing a woman who pretends to be a princess in distress seeking his help. That's the only way to get Don Quixote to do something. They return to the inn. While there, the scene with the windmill giants is all over again. 
This time Don Quixote picks a fight with a bunch of wineskins, thinking they are giants. Quote, for his imagination was so wrought upon by the adventure he was going to accomplish that it made him dream he had already reached the kingdom of Mikomikon and was engaged in combat with his enemy. And believing he was laying on the giants, he had given so many sword cuts to the skins that the whole room was full of wine. But he gets lucky here. Instead of getting into a real trouble with the owner of the inn, his past deeds catching up with him. A police arrives to arrest Don Quixote for freeing someone else's slave, which was illegal back then. The priest begs the police not to arrest him, claiming he's insane. Being a Catholic priest in those days had some weight in Spain, so the police agrees. Now, Sancho, the priest, and the barber all persuade Don Quixote to enter a cage saying that it's not an ordinary cage but a magical one. He agrees. The man is captured now like some wild animal, so they set off for home. His adventures are over for now. Part 2 While part 1 was packed with adventures and exciting actions, this part is more serious and philosophical. Here we have a deeper analysis of Don Quixote as a man. What's different now is that people know his story and wherever he goes people recognize him as some kind of celebrity. So his mission to be famous has been successful. What this means is that now people play along with him. But here is the irony though. Instead of making him happy that everyone takes part in his mad adventures, Don Quixote can see through them. He thinks they are not genuine. For the first time, he questions if people are actually faking their actions towards him. At one point, when Sancho Panza tells Don Quixote that some peasant girl is his lover, Dulcinea, Don Quixote doesn't accept him at face value, which would have done, which he would have done in the first book. He reprimands Sancho Panza for treating him like a child. Here's a wonderful trick played by Cervantes. In the first book, Don Quixote is clearly mad and everyone around him is rational. But in the second book, he reverses the role. Now everyone plays along with his madness and that's how Don Quixote can see through the action and gains his sanity. So you cannot have a mad individual with a mad society. One has to be sane for the other to be insane. Cervantes shows the madness of a society by creating a mad character. First they think he's mad, then once they read the story of his fame, they play along. This shows society's madness, which cures Don Quixote's madness. Don Quixote ends with the death of its protagonist, with, who denounces all chivalric tales and apologizes to Sancho for causing him so many unnecessary troubles. The man read a lot of books, enacted those stories, and then denounced those books. Quote, My reason is now free and clear, rid of the dark shadows of ignorance, that my unhappy constant study of those detestable books of chivalry cast over it. Now I see through their absurdities and deceptions, and it only grieves me that this destruction of my illusions has come so late that it leaves me no time to make some amends by reading other books that might be a light to my soul. The circle is complete and one of the greatest characters in literature is fully rational when he dies. Quote, Take my advice and live for a long long time because the maddest thing a man can do in this life is to let himself die. Don Quixote lives on despite his physical death. Why? Because he did something mad and that made him immortal. Analysis 
Now let me talk about some of the themes of the novel. From the outset it reads like a comic tale of a madman, because in every scene it makes you laugh. This, the absurd actions, the twisted mind of its protagonist and how those around him react to him. But the closer you look it's a tragedy because Don Quixote like every one of us is seeking a purpose in life. Something to be remembered by. If you think about it, many artists are a little mad. A good example is Gaudi, who started building an enormous cathedral in Barcelona that is still not complete. Quote, when life itself seems lunatic, who knows where madness lies? Perhaps to be too practical is madness. To surrender dreams, this may be madness. Too much sanity may be madness. And maddest of all, to see life as it is, not as it should be. Don Quixote's search for fame in life led him to all kinds of troubles. You could say his tragedy is our comedy. At first we laugh at him, but later we laugh at ourselves. We think we are rational, but if we stand back and assess our lives, we might discover that we are no different from Don Quixote. We go about our lives to do something meaningful, we try to be righteous, we try to accomplish something. Those are the same things Don Quixote wants and did. But he also made us laugh. The characters of Don Quixote and Sancho Panza are like comic duo. Don Quixote is tall, thin, but insane, while Sancho is short, fat, but sane. The second prominent theme is imagination versus reality. We all have dreams in life, but reality is our enemy. We cannot be a writer we want to be. We cannot be the partner we want to be. We cannot find the happiness we seek. What makes this story so timeless is that the gap between imagination and reality melts away in Don Quixote. He combines his imagination with reality. He is the greatest action hero of all time. He acts without thinking, while most of us think without acting. I discussed this in my take on Russian literature about the superfluous man who is someone trapped in his thoughts without the ability to act upon those thoughts. Someone like Shakespeare's Hamlet. Hamlet and Don Quixote are two poles of opposites, one drowned in his thoughts and the other drowned in his actions. Quote, in order to attain the impossible, one must attempt the absurd. Another important theme is of course madness. Here Cervantes plays a cool trick by showing how madness is not an individual phenomena but also societal. In part 1 Don Quixote is mad, in part 2 however society is mad because they join in by playing along with his low budget adventures. As George Orwell showed in 1984, groupthink is a form of insanity that everyone takes as truth. You could say Don Quixote helped individualism to flourish in Europe, because here we have a man who defies society's expectation and goes against it. Later he reverses when everyone accepts him. In part 1 he is the outsider seeking acceptance, but in part 2 he is accepted but he rebels again. So artists are often considered mad for rebelling against the dominant thoughts of a society, but often after their death they are revered as geniuses or heroes. I guess Don Quixote's reading is not too dissimilar to the modern education system which does the opposite by instilling obedience and suppressing wild imagination and creativity. Authorities are not interested in wild Don Quixotes but in reliable workers. Don Quixote is a clear break from the medieval romances, but it was also in part inspired by the important work of literature Tiran La Blanche, the Catalan epic which I discussed in a few months ago. I can see some similarities in its theme, tone and subject matter. 
Tyrion, however, is more serious, is based on a real-life character of a Catalan knight, Roger de Flore. Don Quixote's satire, I think, was also inspired by the French classic Gargantua and Pantagruel by François Rabelais, a satirical tale written in 1532, a few years before Cervantes was born. I discussed it in my top 20 French novels. I should also mention that Jorge Luis Borges wrote a short story titled Pierre Menard, author of Don Quixote, in which a French author tries to write Don Quixote exactly as it is without copying the original, which sounds absurd. I discussed this short story in my video on Borges. Turgenev was a huge admirer of Don Quixote. He translated into Russian, and even you can see traces of it in Fathers and Sons. Bazaar of the Nihilist is inspired by some ideas, but his reality transforms him by the end, as he renounces his grand ideals. While reading it, I was also reminded of a 1987 movie, Barfly, based on the life of the American author Charles Bukowski, who goes to a bar to pick a fight in the same manner as Don Quixote. Final words. Don Quixote was considered an idiot, so what did he do? He went on adventures, idiotic ones, and by doing that, he immortalized himself. He read books, his drugs, he enacted on those tales, and then renounced it all. He inflicted a lot of pain on himself, risked things, created things. He did all that, and at the end, he said that all jokes are on those around him. So now you see who is an idiot. We are all Don Quixote of our own small universe, actors in our own little play or low-budget movie, often in our own head. While in real life we copy others, we keep our heads low. We have goals, hopes, dreams, which we cannot live without. Some are brave or stupid enough to chase those dreams and most of us keep our dreams inside. What's different is that he embarks on those adventures in the second half of his life. Most people usually have a Don Quixote face as teenagers or in our 20s, but Don Quixote was 50. What distinguishes Don Quixote from most is that he inflicted pain upon himself while many great men of action do the opposite. You are only truly romantic if you suffer and inflict pain on yourself. In 2015, forensic researchers discovered what is considered to be Miguel de Cervantes' remains. But forget about his remains. He remains with us because of his masterpiece, Don Quixote. Now to the questions of modern versions of Don Quixote. In the 19th century, I think Fyodor Dostoevsky was immensely influenced by Don Quixote. His novels, specifically The Idiot and The Brothers Karamazov, allude to the blind faith being more powerful than rationality. Don Quixote believes in things he reads, he never questions things, so Dostoevsky advocated a similar kind of philosophy within the confines of religious faith, or even naivety or ignorance. Dostoevsky, in a letter to his wife, Sofia Ivanova, says, quote, Of all the beautiful individuals in Christian literature, one stands out as the most perfect, Don Quixote, but he is beautiful only because he is ridiculous. A 20th century example of Don Quixote would be Samuel Beckett's famous play, Waiting for Godot, in which in which very famously nothing happens twice. Don Quixote was a man of action, and Beckett's play, there is no action. A 21st century version of Don Quixote is written by Salman Rushdie, which is a dystopian novel titled Quixote, 
about today's world in which the resurrected Don Quixote is addicted to daytime TV and is in love with a celebrity woman. I have not read it because I was traumatized by Midnight's Children, so I tend to avoid Rushdie. If you have read it, write a comment telling me what you think. Now let me give you a great idea for a new Don Quixote. 17th century Don Quixote went against the age of rationality. You could say he was swimming or driving in the wrong direction. But in today's world, we seek a cover from an overwhelming information overflow. If you were to ride the 21st century Don Quixote, the age of information, he would swim against the information flow. How? He would cut off his ears like Vincent van Gogh to get some silence. Now I think that's an awesome idea. It's original, it's based on a real life of someone famous, and it's actually extremely funny and tragic. Okay, if you write this novel, I want some royalty. Now my question to you, if I were to write a modern Don Quixote, will you read it? Have you read Cervantes' masterpiece? What do you think? Please leave a comment and thank you for watching. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.